Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Now, you're ready for the Word of God? I'm, I'm ready. Come on, stand to your feet, grab your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. Thank you for honoring God's Word. And thank you for being here today. Our whole purpose at this church is to help you have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We want him to become so real to you that you would pay attention to him, that you would turn to him for advice, that you would see what he cares about, what he says about your life and your direction, and that you would walk with him on a daily basis. Because I promise you, We all have our ideas, we all have our opinions, but there's only one that matters, and that's His. How many of you believe the Word of God is still relevant for our life? It is. It is. So, 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 1 through 12, and I'll read through speedily. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him at Baal. Bali. I say Bali. There's a lot of names you're going to hear me pronounce in here, but I may put a little Spanish twist to them, so don't judge me. Judah, to bring them up from there, the ark of God, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubs. This is referring to the ark of the covenant, the ark, the ark of God. And so they set the ark of God on the cart, a new cart, Everyone say a new cart. So they made a brand new cart, brought it out of the house, out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill of Uzzah and Ahio, the son of Abinadab. He drove the new cart. See, let me help you get a full perspective of what's going on here. Years before this, at least 20 years or so before this moment, the ark of God was stolen from Israel and taken from Eli, the high priest, and his sons. And that ark was precious to Israel, but the Philistine housed it. And when they housed it, it became a curse to them because it didn't belong to them. And then they wanted to get rid of it really quick, so they gave it back, and they stored it in the house of Abinadab. So after 20 years, everyone say 20 years, Understand this, very important. 20 years of being in his house, finally David gets to the throne. Let me just finish reading here. In verse 4, and they brought it, and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went there before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord of all kinds of instruments, the fir woods, the harps, the stringed instruments, on tambourines, the sistrums, on cymbals. And when they came to Nacho's house, (laughs) threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled So Uzzah, a man that was there walking along with the cart, he saw the oxen in the cart begin to shake and the oxen stumble. And so then the anger of the Lord, because he took his hand out is what happens. 
that the anger of the Lord arose against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God, and David became angry because the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he became, and he called the name of the place called Perez Uzzah to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord and said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would move it, the Lord, so David would move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside and he took it to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. The word, his name Obed-Edom meant a slave to, to, to Edom. He was considered to be a slave, a Hittite. But in other chronological orders he's also from the lineage of the Levitical priesthood so he was a Levi and so they took it to his house that's kind of like your friend's car breaking down and you say oh I got a friend nearby just drop it off at his house well something happened wrong and so then the nearest person was was a, a bit Obed-Edom Obed-Edom was the one who who was the candidate to receive this? And keep in mind, it wasn't a very—it uh, was a privilege and an honor, but it was a scary thing because a guy was just killed by it. God just struck a man down. So they said, "Well, let's just take it to Obed Edom's house," and they did. And, and listen to what happened. And so, verse eleven: the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed Edom the Gittite three months. Say three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told to David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all, everyone say this with me, all that belong to him. Everything that belonged to him because of the ark of God. So David went, brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. Now David said, ah, it's been tested. It's okay. We can go back. We need it because without the ark of God, Israel wasn't winning battles. Israel's really weren't blessed. That ark of God was given to them by Moses, and it was so relevant for their life to be blessed that represented the presence of God, and it was an important time for them. But God had an appointed time and God had a certain way for them to retrieve it back into their life. This morning, we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about being blessed by his presence. And now everyone has an opportunity to see God do the same thing he did for Obed-Edom. Because Obed-Edom being a Hittite and being someone who just happened to be there at a certain time just had it for three months. But you and I have his presence with us every single day. And there is a principle and secrets here that we're going to uncover and show you how you can have a blessed family and everything that belongs to you can be blessed. I want you to receive that right now and say, God, I receive your blessings. I receive what I have and I honor what I have and I know that you're able to do even more than what you did for Obed-Edom, God, and his house under a new covenant, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen. Now turn around to somebody and tell them, do you know what you have? And you can be seated this Sunday morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here. There is so much 
about this story, the more I begin to kind of dig into it and delve into it, I realize that this wasn't just um, just something to, to, to record in history. This is something to be taught. And after looking at the history, after seeing how long he had the ark in his house compared to how long Abinadab had it in his house, there is nothing that I could find that shows the same story about Abinadab that you read about Obed-Edom. And Abinadab had it in his house for 20 years. And Obed-Edom only had it in his for three months. A summer for you and I. Just a summer. And, and how is it in that short period of time that Obed-Edom had it in his house, how is it that God would take that and begin to bless him? It's recorded in the scripture. You'll find it in Second Chronicles as well, that later on, later on, that God began to bless Obed-Edom. He blessed him with more than just prosperity. He blessed him with so much more. But the, the, the key factor to this whole thing is, is that you have to know the history of, of Obed-Edom. He was a poor man. He wasn't wealthy. He was poor. He was, in fact, referred to, his name says it, a slave of Edom. A slave of Edom. He was a slave. But yet he had blood in his veins. Blood of the, Lev of the Levite tribe. And he was there, and I don't think it's happenstance. I think it was God's intent for his ark to be handled and carried and cared for by those that represented the priesthood. Because this is what David did right afterwards. What David did right afterwards was he decided to go and do some research. And when he went back to the scriptures and checked out everything and on the ark and what Moses commanded and what God told Moses to do concerning the ark, he realized, huh, that's what the problem was. We handled it wrong. You see, when you look at the ark, when you see the ark, you're going to find that the ark had handles on it that were rings that were meant to have these sticks and rods in there. So when the ark was built, if you can see the right here, the rings that were meant to be in there to put this through there. What they did, interesting enough, what they did is said, you know what, let's do it our way. Let's go ahead and bear with me. Let's build a cart and, and let's just do it this way and we'll put the oxen in there and we just you know you understand what I'm saying here and, and let's just hook up the oxen to it let's do it our way Let's build a brand new, brand new cart. You see, that's the difference between relationship 
and religion is this. Relationship with God goes to God and his word to find out how he likes it done. Religion says, oh, this seems good to me. Let's just do it even with good intentions. This is cool. Let's go to Lowe's and buy some new wood and build this thing, right? Let's go and build God a great tabernacle. Let's just do this. Hold on a second. Great intentions also can be leading down the wrong path for you and I. Sometimes it's not just good intentions you have to be uh, to have to have in your life, you have to have good intentions along with God's word to find out what pleases God. And so this is what they did. So, you know, it's like, and, and, and again, you know, they didn't have, they didn't have these to begin with. So let's get these out of the way. These weren't even in there. They didn't even think about these rods to hold that. They just thought, Let's just do it this way. And so when they did that, they got the oxen. And the oxen represented work. It was really a labor. Oxen were used to, in that day, they were strong beasts. They would put the yoke of oxen there, and they would pull whatever tool or whatever necessary, uh, uh, you know, farming, whatever necessary task that was at hand. The oxen were always there to get them out of trouble, to get them and help their life become easier and so they got the oxen, they got the cart, they built it, they did it their way. It looked good until they hit a bump in the road. And let me encourage and tell you that whether you're hitting one now, you will hit a bump in the road. When you hit a bump in the road, you'll realize that in that moment, you're going to have to have some kind of instant response to try to save what you're carrying. We are carriers of God's presence. And we all hit bumps in the road. But we learn a lesson from this, and the last thing God needs us to do is for us to respond in our flesh, to respond in our old nature. That's what happened. They hit the bump. He reaches out. He tries to save it. God kills him. The Lord was angry because God had a specific way for his presence to be carried. Why was this so important? I'll tell you why. When you study the nature of God, you're going to find one attribute of God that separates him from everything else in the world, and that God is holy. God is holy. God is pure. And without the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that was given for you and I, you and I would have never been able to come into God's presence as it if it wasn't for his shedding of the blood. So when, they get, when you read about the ark of God, they put it in the holy of holies, in the tabernacle. And even before, even before this, the, 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 excuse me, I got the stutters, right? Moses, there it is. Moses said, you have to keep it in there, but if you're going to go into my presence, you're going to have to sprinkle blood too. You have to sprinkle blood. No one was allowed to go into there. But here we are, and, and, and finally they got it. And it stayed in his house. But, but here's the point. Before they realized what it took and before they understood, you know what it's going to take? It's going to take us going back and realizing we have to go back the way God asked us to do it. And so they put the priest. 
They put the priest there. Now the priest carrying this was going to make all the difference in the world. Because that priest represented what? A relationship with God. That priesthood represented everyone that was called by God to follow the laws of God and know how to specifically carry his presence. It's kind of like a technician. I, I, I love and appreciate people who have certain skills and certain uh, technical skills in their life. I, I love and appreciate electricians, uh, AC technicians, uh, anybody, plumbers. I, I appreciate every one of them. They have skills and they have, they have a way of doing things. You and I, we don't know everything. So when we don't know something, even with our vehicles, we call someone who does, right? Well, God designed the Levitical priesthood and priests. He designed them to give them specific knowledge, and they were trained how to do it. But they missed it. Somehow along the way, they got detached from God. They missed it. They went through a season where, you know, they knew at one time, but then they forgot. And they treated they treated the ark of God like just a FedEx package. They treated God's presence just like something from Amazon, right? Let's just put it in the back of the car and let's just carry it back home and, and let's just do that. But it wasn't right, so they went back to the beginning. But I'm glad for our sake that it was a moment where they realized Something's wrong, and I'm so glad during that time frame it stayed in the house of Obed-Edom. Because this is the real story. The real story is, is that Obed-Edom took it in his house, and within only three months, he was blessed. Everything that belonged to him, everything that belonged to him was blessed. There wasn't one person that was in his family, that wasn't benefiting from the ark being there. But why was it that Abinadab's house wasn't blessed, but over to Edom was? I'll tell you what I found in the scripture, and what I realized was this. A lot of it had to do with their leadership and how they carried and honored God's presence. Eli did not respect the things of God in the sense of his family was so out of order. His sons didn't respect God's ways and God's house, and, and, and it was known and it was written in the Scripture. And nonetheless, whatever happens at the top will flow to the bottom when it comes to leadership. Even in the family, even in our families, right? In our families, if, if mom and dad is a certain way, the children are going to be the same way. It's just common sense. In any place, any church you go to, uh, your business you're a part of, there's a culture, there's a sense of caring to a certain extent. Well, Eli didn't have it together. But when David came back in the scene, David surrounded himself with people who had a heart for God. Not everybody was right. Not everybody was perfect. But David had a heart for God. If it was anybody else, that, that, that ark would have stayed in the house of Obed-Edom for 20 years, just like it did for Saul when he asked it to stay in the house of Abinadab. 
But David was determined, and David said, I'm going to go back to the word. That was David's strength. David knew how to repent. David knew how to say, I'm sorry, I did it wrong. Look at the life of David. David was known for being a recipient of God's mercy, and David messed up a lot. No, I mean, we're all guilty, right? There's nobody clinging here if it, were to, if it wasn't for the blood, right? If it wasn't for the mercy of God. Not everybody's perfect in here, but what makes us still here, be here, is the mercy of God. David knew. He knew how to go back and say, I'm sorry, Lord. It's my fault. David didn't point at everybody else and say, oh, it was their fault. They made me do it. Not like Eve, right? Oh. Or Adam. Who told you you were naked? Well, it's my wife. She ate from the tree. I told her not to, but she did it anyways. And I told you. I don't do Hebrew. I do Latino voices. And I don't even speak Spanish, so don't. That's as close to Spanish you're going to get from me. I didn't do nothing. Wasn't me. David took the blame for everything he did. And David went back. So there's something in there in this story that anyone that David had chosen had the same attribute that David had, the same character and same values. And I believe with all of my heart that when Abinadab, when, when Obed-Edom had the ark of God in his house, he didn't take it for granted. He did something about it. He honored God. He probably changed everything in every way in his home when it came to schedules and routines. You're talking about the ark of God now coming into your house. The one thing that everyone treasured and wanted now ends up in his house, a poor man, a slave. But yet, remember, scholars say that he was from the Levitical, he had Levitical priesthood blood in his veins. So there was something inherited inside of him that said there's a certain thing, a certain way, and there's a certain attitude I have to have if I'm going to have this in my house. Whatever he did, it's not recorded, but whatever it was in his house, and I'll tell you why, and the only, only other evidence we have about this is that Later on, when you read the scripture, it was over Edom, whose family became caretakers and doorkeepers in the house of God. They were servants, and they were there taking care of the house of God. Read the scripture, and this is, and this is interesting, it, very interesting to know. When God began to bless him, when God began to make him fruitful, he didn't only bless him, he gave him eight sons. He gave, God gave him eight sons, and every one of his sons were doorkeepers in the house of God. They cared. They reverenced it. 
They saw it and recognized it for what it was, and they honored God. If they had a heart for serving, I promise you, when the ark of God was in their house, they were reverent. They respected it. They honored it. They prayed. They fasted. They reached out. And because of their attitude of servanthood and because of their spirit and because of who they were, God blessed them. In only three months, just three months, God gave him Eight boy, eight children, and God blessed his home, and God blessed everything. Read in Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles, it says that God, when the enemy came and the kings were at battle, almost a couple of centuries later, after they had passed, that they came for the riches that were in the house that Obed-Edom was responsible for, and his children were. He was still involved. He was still recognized. He was a blessed man. My point this Sunday morning is God, it doesn't take him long to change your entire family, your entire destiny, everything that's going on in your life. If you'll just begin to recognize what you have, who he is, and what he says, things will change for you and I. What makes it so relevant is that when David came back, he realized you can't touch God with your carnality. You can't deal with God and the things of God through fleshly ways. I mean, Paul said, having begun in the spirit, what makes you think you can perfect yourself through the flesh? Spiritual things have to be handled spiritually. God is a spirit. And the word of God is the only thing we've got in this world to give us enough direction and instruction how to house his presence. So the ark of God now isn't just in some building. You, my friend, carry the presence of God. You and I, what was in that ark? What was in this? What was in the ark were three things. The first thing that was in there was manna. Did I spell that right? Thank you. Manna. A bowl of manna, something to represent God feeding them the bread from heaven. This was representation for the new covenant, a shadow of things to come. This would represent Jesus being the bread of life. That's what was in that box. Everything was pointing towards Jesus. The second thing that was in there, and just to make it short, I'm going to just say rod. I'm going I'm to go ahead and do this. Aaron's rod, and I know I didn't put an apostrophe, but y'all will get over it. Oh, it did. It put it itself. Praise God. Aaron's rod. God told Aaron to put his rod with the other rods of the priest. And Aaron was the high priest. And when God blessed Aaron, his rod blossomed and budded, and it brought forth flowers to distinctively make it different to be fruitful. So Aaron's ministry as a high priest, the first high priest, coming in through the Old Testament and law was representation that the new high priest that would come in 
would be fruitful and that he would walk in as an internal high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who would walk into the holy place not just one time but live there and be there forever for you and I. And so whenever you look at this ark and see the contents that were on the inside, it all represents Jesus Christ, the priesthood, the great high priest. And nobody else can be moved with the feeling of our infirmities like him, but he makes intercession for you and I, and that's what's in his presence. What's in his presence is the high priest, the intercession for sins to be blessed, removed so we can be blessed. See, that's exactly why the high priest went into the tabernacle once a year to omit all the sins and make intercession for you and I. But now in the presence of God or in the ark of God, that's why God had it put there as a reminder to you and I that in his presence you have mercy available to you and I and there is grace that is sufficient for you and I and there is the bread that you and I are fed with. Did you know, did you know that the scripture says that healing is the bread of God's children? There is healing through the bread. The bread is healing to you and I. That means that God heals you with salvation. God heals you with misdirection to having clear wisdom and understanding and direction. Heals your body. Heals your spirit. Heals your soul. There's no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to what God can do. And the third thing. You see, having the manna, having the ark... But they had to remember, what was it that kept them in, in good standing with God? And that was, I'm going to just say this. The tablets, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were in there. To remind us, watch this. God said, now I want you to put those laws inside here because in the future I'm going to pour out my spirit and I'm going to put my laws in their hearts and they're going to obey them without any hesitance. They're going to want to do them. They're going to want. You see, the scripture says they're going to want to obey them. The scripture says that, that God one day would write it on tablets of flesh in our hearts and that he would cause us to walk in his laws. Can I encourage you and tell all of you the Ten Commandments are still relevant for us today? They are. The Ten Commandments are still relevant for us today in this sense. God isn't going to judge us like he used to out of the Old Testament. But he did something new and he sent his presence and what the law couldn't do, Jesus Christ did for you and I by giving us his mercy and grace and causing us to have a desire and putting his law, his tablets in our hearts. So you and I are Gentiles, and this is what you have to realize. You and I are Gentiles. Whether you have a little bit of Jewish blood inside of you, it doesn't matter. Even as a Jew, you still, they still had a problem with obeying the law. And no one can do it. No one can do it. 
But God said, one day, I'm going to have a group of people, and they're going to walk in my laws. They're going to walk in my word. Did you know that you and I, even though we are Gentile, we live as Jews? You don't even know this. By keeping God's commandments and honoring God, putting him first, honoring him with first fruits of income and all that you have, you are living like a Jew. That was the whole purpose. Now, I'm not going to get off on this this, this extra doctrine and try to debate on how we should live and what traditions we should keep. The tradition is Jesus Christ. Paul said, who was a Jew, I saved to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In other words, who Jesus is and what he did for you and me. But there is something that your God, who was a Jew, whose spirit was meant to keep the law, he put his same spirit inside of you and I, and you find yourself doing Jewish things and don't even know it. Uh, is anybody catching this? Turn to your neighbor and tell them your God was a Jew. But watch this. But then he said, in the kingdom, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Right? In other words, he's going to level the playing field, and he's going to give you a spirit. And really what was meant to be kept, you are now going to be able to keep these things and walk in these things. And so David knew, you know what I have to do? David said, I've got to put the priest, I've got to put the priest here. Because that presence was meant to be carried on the shoulders of someone who knows how to have a relationship with me. And that's what it's all about. If you want to be a carrier of God's presence, you have to carry it on a relationship with him, not a religion. And if you want a revelation... And how to keep the presence of God in your life. Remember, what's in God's presence? The responsibility for relationship through the priesthood. The rod of Aaron. The word of God was in there. And that the bread, the manna, but the bread sent from heaven. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he was broken for you and I. To remember what he did. Those three things. Have to write, in fact, write that down, please. Write this down. Put when you come to church, write something down. Bring a pen and paper if you have to, or put it in your in your iPhone because you need to remember this. You'll remember this. I put it up here so you can kind of remember it, but I think it's important because the three things you have to have to be a carrier of the presence of God is recognize what's in it. Out of it comes the word. Out of it comes a revelation, understanding for the word when you read your Bible. God needs the word in your mind in order to use you. Because your spirit will engage what's in your, with what's in your mind. And then you have to have a sense of responsibility that you have to be a priest. To carry the responsibility. And your high priest is Jesus Christ. And he makes intercession for you. So you as a priest under him can carry out the responsibilities of that relationship. And thirdly, the bread was broken. The manna was in there because it was bread sent from heaven that they didn't have a name for. They didn't know manna means what is this. But Jesus said, I'm going to tell you what this is now. I am the bread of life and my name is Jesus. 
And now you have a name. And now you have a sense of knowing what he did for you and I. In the presence of God, his body was broken. And in the presence of God, you become the recipient of every benefit from that. Is this too deep? Is this okay? And so that's what it is. Now, now here's, here's what needs to be understood. And I'm going to give you one point, and it's really not a point. It's really a question. Here's the question I have to ask you. This is what I felt God tell me, and this is what I felt to tell you and share with you. Point number one in the form of a question is this. What would you do if Jesus was coming to your house for three months? I, I, want you to be, I want you to just imagine with me just for one moment. Just imagine with me for one moment. What would you do if he came in physical form and knocked on your door and said, hey, I'm with you for three months? Now, in your mind, I'm wondering, how many of you would start cleaning some things up? And I'm not talking about get the fabuloso out. I'm not talking about mopping the floor, getting rid of the stench. I'm talking about some things in your house you know that you know. Right? Oh, my God. What were we watching last night? Where's it? What, what were we doing last night? Did we, throw the, did we take the trash out? Right? Now, I'm not saying you have anything bad in the house. Only you know. Don't keep looking straight. Don't look to your left or your right. You're going to give yourself away. Don't wipe your head right now. Just stay calm. Okay? We're not here to crucify people. I'm, I want you to think because we have to get the reality of knowing that Jesus not only You know, is in our imagination, but he is literally in our lives. But we take it so common. See, that's the problem. Eli took the presence of God too common. That's why in the church, and I'm, I promise you this, folks. I, I, I will do my best. I will do my best as your leader and pastor and tell you, if God ever steps in this church and says, stop the preaching, let's do a prayer line, let's all humble ourselves before God, if the presence of God is here, we do not ever want to distract the presence of God, and we're going to invite it to come in, and we'll forget our schedules, we'll forget our protocol, we'll forget what's on the programs, we'll forget all of that. This is his church. And his presence is priority. And we don't want to cut the presence of God off right when y'all are fixing to engage. You, everything you need is in the presence of God. And you are a carrier of God's presence. I think this is a great question, though. What would you do if Jesus was coming to your house for three months? Believe me, I believe there would be a lot of changes. You're probably thinking, well, he's already been to my house. I have Jesus in my heart. True. But I believe he's become so common, we forget he's there sometimes. We forget. We take him common. It's easy, very easy to take the church for granted. It's not so easy when if we were to go to China right now, where they have, <laughs> pray for China, because they have literally put out warrants for Christians 
and they are arresting them right now. And you are not allowed to have church in China. It's amazing. Just one airfare going there can change our whole world. In one place, you're free. The other one, you become a prisoner. All based on what you believe. All based on who's in your life. So we take, I think we take the presence of God for granted. When God's presence comes in this house, I want to encourage all of you, don't take it for granted. Lift your hands. That's why we lift our hands, because it's an outward expression of an inward experience. And we are trying to say to God, I surrender all. I give you everything. Make the changes you want to make. Do what you have to do. Rearrange some things. And, and, and God, it doesn't matter what I think about it. All that matters is what you think about it. I have people approach me all the time. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about, you know, abortion? What do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about, about these political issues right now? I'll tell you my response. My response is, it doesn't matter what I think about it. All that matters is what the Word of God says about it. My opinion doesn't matter. But I've been called to love people, and I've been called to love God. And I've been called to be a carrier of God's presence. And God told me if I'll be a carrier of his presence, he'll take care of everything else. And if people will carry the presence of God, he'll begin to take care of things in their life. I'm telling you, we make it too complicated. What we really need is just a touch of God in our life. What we really need is not an I agree with Caleb. My son said it on Wednesday. I heard him clear, and I agree with him that we don't need another counseling session. We need the counselor to come into our life and just minister to us, touch us. But I do believe sometimes it takes a counselor to get you there. I do believe that sometimes it's guidance that gets you there. It takes someone to point in direction and direct you. And I'm directing you this Sunday morning to tell you God will take care of your problems. God will alter your life. God will bless your family if you'll just focus on his presence. And whatever belongs to you, will God will begin to turn around and bless just like Obed-Edom. Just like that. Now, God sees the heart, and you and I have been given a voice to express what's in our heart. And if he came to us and said, I want to be with you, I promise you, if you honor him, if you respect him, if you love him, you'll be willing to do anything necessary so he, wants, so he would stay with you. See, he had a hard time even when he was walking in this world. He said, Birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes, but the Son of Man hath no place to lay his head. In other words, nobody's receiving me right now. I'm such a controversy. I'm, I'm so, I'm, in the eyes of people, I'm a radical. In the eyes of people, I, I don't even have a place to stay. Even when he was a baby, they didn't take him into the inn. He had to sleep where the animals slept and be born there. But whoever housed him, God blessed him. Rahab the harlot, Rahab the harlot was in a place where she was fixing to be destroyed. She lived in Jericho, and she built her house on the wall, and she was a prostitute. But one night, 
Joshua sent spies to check it out, and she housed those spies. In other words, she took a chance. She went against the grain. She said, I will house you. I don't care if my life, I put my life on the line. I'm going to put a, a, a pressure, some pressure on my family, but it doesn't matter because it's the right thing to do. And I know who you are, and I know who your God is, and I want you to know that it doesn't matter what the outcome is. I choose to give you a space in my house. And so they stayed there, and then they left. And then they said to her, if you'll put a scarlet thread out of your window, when we come, we'll skip it, and we'll let your family live. Whoever is in your house, say this with me, whoever. I mean, I'm going to tell you something. That was me. I will be like a Latino family trying to make it in one place with one gallon of gas in the, in the van. I would, stack, I would probably, I don't know if you can do it. I can probably put 20 people in a minivan if I had to. I could. If you told me I'm going to bless, if someone told me I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless you and your family, but I can only let one car come in, that just whoever's in the car, I'm going to let them come in for free, and I'm going to bless them, and I want to do something good for them. I promise you, you would find out how to pack out that car. <laughs> I don't know my family. He said, what? Who? How many? Let's go. I'm the top of the hood. Right? On the back. I'm here. Go. Don't go too fast. Right? God knows, man. I'm here, man. He said free. He said free. Shh. Get it. Get off of you. I'm staying. <laughs> All you white people know that's true. Thank you, brothers of the black families, too. Am I right? Any black people in the house? Yeah. They're back. <laughs> it is white people, too. I found out there's not much. Oh, my God. I've gone this far. I might as well say it now. Lord, forgive me. If you're watching, <laughs> we don't expect to be on TBN. So I found out there's not much difference between a Mexican and a redneck. I just, there's not much difference there. Family is family, right? We all have our family members. Aren't you glad we're part of one big happy family in the kingdom of God? I love it. God's called us to have a multicultural church. I'm going to tell you right now, if you don't have a sense of humor, you won't last long in this church. But here's the truth. What changes would you make? Because here's, here, here's getting down to it, and I close with this. Come on, Haley. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20 says this. Or do you not know that your body, say my body, is the temple of the Holy Ghost, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here's the question most people ask me 
when it comes to families. How can I change my husband or my wife or my children? How do I see God move in their lives? They don't want to live for God. They don't want to come to church. I hear this all the time. How many of you can relate to this? How many of you, this was some of you, but God came into your family and did some changes? I know there's a lot of you, and people ask the question, and people even say, you know, I, I feel like my family isn't blessed because I'm the one doing right, but I have other people in my house doing wrong, and I don't know what to do, and I'm tired of arguing, and I'm tired of doing this. Well, here's the strategy. Don't you know that your body houses this? That your body is the temple now. And whatever belongs to you, God will begin to work on. Whoever belongs to you, God will begin to work on. Only God can change hearts. But you have to love God with all your heart. And you have to love others. You can't force God on anybody else. I've never read in the scripture that people were blessed that they were forced to do it. God is a gentleman, and he asks you to do something. He expects you to respond. If you don't want it, that's okay. He'll take it to somebody else's house. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve God. I want the blessings of God in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. If one of my kids ever say, I don't want to do that, I, I, will, I will give them my opinion. And I will tell them, if you're in my roof, that's a different story, right? Uh, am I going too old school for you? Am I old school by saying this, that as long as you're under my roof, you're going to do what we do and do it the way we want it to be done, right? And you ever said this, until you buy until you buy your own house, pay your own bills, get your own place, then you can make those decisions. But as long as you're here, we're going to the house of God together. We're going to do these things together. Now, now here's a challenge. You can make somebody do that as long as you are over them and they're under you and so forth, but you can never change their heart and they'll do it grudgingly. But this is what I've found throughout the years. And don't think for one moment I hadn't had those challenges and have problems in our family. Our family isn't perfect, but our family has learned what to do. We've accepted our mistakes. We've now embraced the fact that some things, yes, Lord, it was my fault. I'm the one who had a bad attitude first. I'm the one that caused the problem, and God fixes it. But I've learned that I can never fix somebody else. I can love them and help them, but this is what I've learned to do. I've learned to focus on one thing, all I have to do is learn how to carry the presence of God in my life. I want to carry it. I want to carry it. If I'm a carrier, then everywhere as I go, God is going to work on somebody's heart. Anything I do, God's going to bless it. If it belongs to me, it doesn't matter how bad it looks in the moment. God is going to turn it around and work it out for my good, and God will deal with the heart's of everybody else in my life. He'll take care of my enemies. He'll take care of my finances. He'll take care of my issues. He'll take care of my family. Everything, say this with me, everything that belongs to me, God will bless. I just need to be a carrier. <laughs>
Now, here's a challenge. I want to give you a challenge. I want to give you a challenge, and I'm going to close with this. The Lord, I felt God impressed me to challenge you today. It's so simple, but I want you to do this, and I close with this. We want you to host the Holy Ghost for three months and see what happens. Just be a good host. How many of you know how to host a party? How many of you know how to throw a party? Come on, raise your hands out there. It's all good. I, 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 you know, your definition of a party and my party are two different things. I don't care. But my, my, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I'm afraid to ask. But anyways, you know how to host for company coming over to eat dinner, right? You know how to host for special guests coming over? Well, I'm asking you, host your temple for the Holy Ghost for three months. If God can do it for Obed-Edom, God can do it for you. And you're, I'm going to tell you something. If you'll just focus on hosting him, that means this. Let me give you an example. If the Holy Ghost is abiding inside of you, then he has desires. There are certain things he would like to watch. Huh? Oh, let me say it like this. Would rather watch. Oh, some of you just got downhearted because you haven't seen Spider-Man yet. I'm not saying don't go see Spider-Man. But you know as well as I do, there are certain things that you don't need to see. And you know as well as I do that there are certain things the Holy Ghost doesn't want to hear. And you know as well as I do, there are certain things the Holy Ghost doesn't want you to have in your hands. And if we will host him, and remember, he's a holy God. And if we will focus on pleasing him by talking to him, keeping him company, I mean, it's an awkward situation to invite someone to your house and just tell them to sit down there and never talk to them. I mean, right? Have you ever done that? Oh, come on in. You don't offer them water. You don't talk to them. And they're like... Why did I even say yes to coming over? When God comes into your life, He wants to bless you, help you, talk with you. When God comes into your life, the presence of God comes in. Listen, if you don't know how to pray, then exercise and learn. Get involved. Start taking baby steps. Start engaging. Start talking. He'll teach you. The Holy Ghost will teach you all things. He wants to show you some secrets. He wants to show you what's really the issues that you're dealing with. He wants to help you realize that this is the change, the small changes sometimes that you have to make if you want me to be pleased, if you want to be pleasing to me. You're pleased by the blood of Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But there are certain things that God has for you in your life that need to be altered in order for him to come in an overflow, in abundance. I don't know about you, but I want to host him. I want to be a good host. And I want I want to feel his presence. I got to have it every day. I, I have to feel him every day. I'm addicted, folks. I got to tell you, I'm an addict. I, my name is Bobby, and I love Jesus. My name is Bobby, and I'm in love with Jesus Christ. And I'm not ashamed to say it. Yes, I've fallen seven times, but every time I've fallen, he's picked me back up. Yes, I'm not perfect, but he loves me the way I am, and he loves me for who I am, and I love him so much. Do you feel the same way today? 
Come on, I want you to stand to your feet. I want you, if you will, just lift up your hands and somebody say, Lord, I surrender right now and I give you my heart, I give you my mind, I give you my spirit, I give you my thought process, I give you everything today. I want to be a carrier of your presence, God. I want to be a carrier of your presence today. <laughs> By the name of Jesus, somebody, somebody lift up your hands. Somebody surrender and say, Lord, use me. God, use me today. Come into my house. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at clcvictoria and download our app.